Joe Donlin. You too. You haven't changed a bit, my friend. Oh, well, there's a little bit of scruff here and there's a little more gray there. <laughs> I know how that goes. How are hey, you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for talking with us. You bet. Uh, this podcast has been a blast because I've been chatting with folks that, you know, like you, I haven't seen for many years or talked to, but it's like we're just, you know, back in the newsroom again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who so, all have you talked to? Oh, you got to take a list. Uh, Kathy Smith. Craig Walker, Mike Donahue, Jack McGowan, Walden, wow. Larry, all the gang. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll send you the link. You can check them out when you're bored. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that might take a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I know. Um, well, um, how's Chicago? You've been there a couple of years now. Uh, I love Chicago. The city is amazing. Um, are we starting this, by the way? We're, or is we're, it we are rolling. We're rolling. Okay. Well, well, thanks for the standby. <laughs> so much for that. Um, no, I love Chicago. The city is just amazing. And I think as much as I love Portland, uh, being from St. Louis, for me, it feels like I'm home. It really does. And the city's just so vibrant and alive. And we're living downtown, which is amazing in a high rise. And we've got a great view of Lake Michigan and the Chicago River. So uh, you know, the pandemic, like it did in a lot of cities, really shut things down. And it was hard to see Chicago so locked down and quiet. But now that things are coming back, uh, it reminds me, I did have about two years here at full speed, which was just great. So I love the city. And uh, it's just been a fantastic move in so many ways. Well, uh, you know, my wife uh, was born and lived in Chicago as a youngster and then moved back there after college. And I, I courted her we, when she was in Chicago and I was in Portland and made visits back there. And uh, we actually got engaged on a driving between, uh, between Chicago and Wisconsin oh, way back. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's great for us too, because our whole family ended up shifting from Portland out here, which I just still can't believe the way it all worked out. It's pretty incredible. Our oldest was working in St. Louis. He's now gotten a job. Uh, in Chicago, working for Northwestern University, and then our middle daughter's working in Chicago and living in Old Town, just a five, 10 minute you know, walk for us. We all got together last night. Our youngest is going to be a senior in college, and she's just an hour away from here. So it's, it's amazing how it all worked out really in the end. Good for you guys. That's awesome. What a great place to, to have the family. And living downtown, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. There's no shortage of things to do. And, uh, you know, I just... We're right off the Lakeshore Trail, so we ride our bikes up and down Lakeshore Drive Trail, and you know the baseball. You know, you're a huge sports fan. There's just, there aren't many better sports towns, and there's just so much to do, no matter where you go, with all of the neighborhoods. Uh, compared to say like Portland, where you've got Northeast, right, Albina, and Mississippi, those areas that have really come up, come to life. There are dozens and dozens of those around Chicago. You can go anywhere really, and there are outdoor restaurants and people eating and gathering. It's just the city is so alive. It really is a great place to live. And, and you know, WGN has just been this media juggernaut for all these years to, to, be, uh, to be their guy. Is, is a re I mean, that speaks a lot for your professionalism and your skills at this job that we do. Um, I know you went there and you were anchoring WGN. Right. Uh, and now they have created uh, this cable network. Tell us about News Nation because yeah. you're, you're their main guy there on the Donlin Report. Yeah, um, it's been really just a crazy whirlwind exit from Portland. I didn't see any of this coming. And 
Uh, so for folks who may have read a little bit about how it all came to pass, the main anchor at WGN here in Chicago local uh, was a buddy of mine at Marquette. He and I had gone to school together and I came across my feed that he was retiring and I sent him, uh, or I, I called him and just left him a message and said, hey, congratulations, really happy for you. And he called back and said, you should send your reel in because they're still looking. And I thought, well, I can't imagine that they'd be looking at a guy who was a year younger than the guy who's retiring. <laughs> uh, but I sent my stuff in and ended up getting the job. And so that was when uh, I was in so early 2018. And I loved my time at WGN and the news director who hired me here then got the job to be the executive vice president of news at News Nation, which is this cable news uh, organization. It, it's sort of, I describe it as the old WGN superstation that we all watched, you know, the Cubs and Bozo and all of that. So they've just kind of turned it into more of what you'll see now is more syndicated programming, but they're trying to turn it into a 24 hour news channel. And so we started this, launched it last September, and we launched it with a primetime newscast from, um, eight to 11 Eastern, seven to 10 Central. And it went for probably, so what, like a few months. And then early January, they decided to sort of retool it and give me my own hour. So I do that now at seven Eastern, six Central, four Pacific. Um, and so that's where we are right now. And it's been an interesting journey. I don't know that it worked certainly as well as we all hoped it would or thought it would out of the gate. You know, our mission is to really try to do center lane down the middle news. And it can be a tough sell, I think, especially on cable where you're used to seeing, you know, uh, elements of, of uh, kind of the, the wild animals at the zoo, I guess. And we were sort of the petting zoo version of that is what a friend of mine told me. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to retool some things and, and tweak the lineup. And, I, you know, it's a, it's a big lift. We're up against, you know, CNN and MSNBC and Fox and Tucker and Anderson Cooper and Rachel Maddow. I mean, we're up against the heavyweights of, of cable news and we're just getting started up this hill. So it's going to take a little while. And as you know, most people say they want center lane news, but when they get the remote in their hands, they tend to kind of go more to their comfort food. And I think I've said before that really on cable, there's a lot more people looking for, I think, affirmation rather than information. And cable news just lends itself to more of a discussion, more of a talk show. And I think that's been sort of an adjustment for me with this new hour, for sure, because it was um, sort of a new chair and a new format for me. I've never really done anything like this. I've just anchored local news. So it's been uh, an interesting journey to try to figure this all out. And I'm starting to get a lot more comfortable in that chair, you know, where we have to prep for anywhere between eight and 12 interviews um, over the course of 40 minutes covering six to 10 topics. So, you know, mm -hmm. you go from the policy in Myanmar to foreign policy in China to the price of silver to now here's Dave Portnoy interviewing. So, mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of prep time that goes into the hour, but I'm I'm definitely getting a lot more comfortable with it. Well, two things. One, how dare you do a news program without talking heads arguing at each other, Joe? That's just can't <laughs> you can't do that. But two, that reminds me of when I left KGW and went to K2 and got to host AM Northwest. Right. Is I found that that uh, I'm still anchoring the news in the morning, but that one hour that was live with an audience and with six or seven different segments and working with a co-host Helen to mm -hmm. prep for that and and to to be on your toes for all these different topics was a was a life changing challenge and and joy for me when I got to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I just I, and again you had to learn how to do it you had to go baby steps but I just really felt that 
when I was doing it, man, I, I like this challenge and I like trying to be good and being good at that set of circumstances. And, you know, that's what you're going through now. A little harder news than AM Northwest, but congratulations on, on recognizing that challenge in our industry, which is new to what you've done before. Right. Yeah. And I've had a couple of people uh, who filled in for me a couple of days and both of them afterwards sort of came to me with their eyes wide open going, wow, I have a new appreciation for <laughs> what you do now having sat in the chair for uh, last night. So I do think it's different, Carl, to your point, and you've been in that seat. So, you know, um, I don't have a live audience, but still uh, it is a different skill set for sure. Um, you know, with local news, nothing against it, but you toss to a lot of reporters who are live somewhere and then you pitch to the weather guy and maybe if you still do sports in your market, uh, then you do a kicker and you're out, you know, here, there's no time to relax or let your guard down because you never know what's coming at you, who's going to be sitting in front of you. And you have to be well-versed on all of these topics. It's been actually, I think, helpful for me to just sort of take a step back because I think I maybe do over-prepare for some of these segments, a lot of them, when, you know, people at home probably don't, they're asking the question in the supermarket, what is this all about? Wait a mm -hmm. minute, you know, they're not as tuned in as this expert you have on for sure, which is why you have the expert on. You want them to uh, inform us and educate us as to why this is an important issue. But at the same time, I think it helps to just ask a basic question that someone at home might be wondering as well. And then you just kind of take the conversation from there and where it goes. And, and that's wise. And I've heard it from a couple of my guests who quote uh, Ted Koppel, you know, how do you get ready for Nightline? I get the first question and then I listen. Right. And, and, and yeah. if you do that, which you, you would too, I've watched the, the show, it, it makes a very compelling discussion because you're thinking like that person at home, you know, oh, he said that. I, I want to know more about that. You keep going right. instead of going to these notes and going, well, here's the next question. Right. And I think that can oftentimes be one of the best questions you can ask, you know, just something as simple as what do you mean? <laughs> and yeah. it forces them to expand on what they had you know, said and maybe get into more depth about what they what they really want to get across. Uh, well, uh, I again, uh, congratulations on the challenge you're facing and the, the skill to get better at it there. Uh, you know, hopefully the uh, results will come in as well. Yeah. Um, boy, 21 years at KGW in Portland was was awesome for you, Joe. I, I just I, I mean, I, I don't know where to start, but uh, that was uh, that was a great run. Uh, with some great people, Tracy and Laurel yeah. and, and, you know, Matt, uh, you just had to really, really enjoy that time. I really did. 21 great years. And I've been very fortunate in my entire career. I've worked with some amazing people, even going back to my days in Tucson, Arizona. You know, I was there for 10 years before I came to Portland and got to work with the likes of uh, Dan Hicks, who's now at NBC Sports doing all their golf and all their Olympic coverage and just so many really great broadcasters, Colin Cowherd in Portland and so many people who've gone on to bigger and better things. Um, and I really consider that a blessing in my career to have sat across from and worked with some of um, just some incredible people in this business who are true professionals, including the, the names you mentioned there, many of whom I stay in touch with. Colin and I still talk quite a bit. Tracy and I talk, talk to Laurel, I talk to Matt a lot. Um, a lot of the folks back in Portland, I still stay in touch with. Um, so I, I don't even know, yeah, where to start on that other than to look back at, at my time in Portland as 20 fantastic years. I thought that's where it would end, Carl. I really did. I had sort of come to the realization that that's where my career went. And I, and I had, to be quite honest, I had chased a couple of things earlier. Um, and then when our youngest started high school, I pulled the plug and said, I don't want to move while she's in high school. So 
um, I thought, okay, you know, my ship has sailed and, and I'm okay with that. I'll end it in Portland and it'll all be good. And then this thing in Chicago came up and, you know, for me, it's weird. You always, I think in the back of your mind, wonder, could you have done more? Could you have gone farther? You know, could I have made it to the network? And that was never really a, a bellwether for me. I didn't feel like my career needed a network stop in order to feel like it had been a success. But when you get a chance to come to a city like Chicago, for me, well, at a station I grew up watching, mm-hmm. the Super Station, um, you know, it was, I get the chills thinking about it. And I said it at the time when I left Portland, it really truly was a dream job for me. Um, to the point now where, you know, we're starting this new venture and it's been slow to start. And are we going to pick up? I hope so. Several people have asked me, are you sorry you left WGN? And I'm really not. I mean, it, at this stage in my career, I'm almost 60 years old. I'm a big believer in take every risk and drop every fear. And to get a chance to anchor a, a nationwide cable newscast, how, how do I say no to that when the boss comes to you and says, we want you to do this? So yeah. Um, the back nine's been very good to me here in Chicago, and and you know we're getting close to the barn, and uh, this is a great way to finish it out. Good. Well, uh, let's t- talk about KGW. Uh, I was there with you for about eight years or so, and right. I, I really I, I loved what a great uh, newsroom leader you were, you and Tracy. You know, the, there can be anchors in shops that are just anchors, but there are, it's really good when your anchors are leaders, and I thought you were that way. Um, you. uh, you're really strong. Um, so w- what did you think we did right at KGW in Portland? What, what did we do well? Well, I think we did a lot of things well, and I do believe that a lot of that came from the talent that was in that building. I always said when I left that that building was full of, um, dedicated, committed journalists who were, I think every day focused on doing the right thing. And there were a lot of issues there that were difficult to cover. Um, including the riots, including the protests. Those are difficult lines to walk and walk well and try to present the story in a way that not not necessarily makes everyone happy, but at least make everyone feel like you're doing it fairly and in a way that that both sides can watch and appreciate. And that's gotten even more difficult to do here, considering the climate of politics and everything else. And especially as you're working at a network that, that, you know, our mission is to, to maintain that center lane. But I do think we did that well in Portland. I think we had a room full of really smart people. And I think that showed in our product. I mean, it's hard to hide that too. And I think that was, uh, as you well know, a very tight knit newsroom. And that came across as well on the set. And I think in our coverage, in our writing, in our content, the stories we decided to cover and how we covered them, all of those things, I think, led to us being a trusted voice in Portland. And it always made me feel great when people would stop us on the street and talk about what they liked about the product. And, and, and Tracy and Laurel both too were just such professionals. And I really think that all of them in that newsroom, everyone in there really fed into what made KGW work. And I don't know that it would have worked anywhere else. You know, you hear about anchors going to other stations across the street. And there was some of that. We did lose some people because we had a lot of good people who, including you, you know, you ended up at a K2, Bruce Sussman ended up at, at six and we lost good people just because they're, you know, they had an opportunity to go to a bigger position at another competing station. So we lost good people. Um, But I think that was a testament to the good people we had. And I was always happy for people when they were able to move like Bruce, he was doing weekends. Right. And then I ended up moving to six. Of course, 
at the, in the end, he, he, he didn't, uh, you know, finish his career there. And I know there, that the 08 and 09 was tough for a lot of us in that, in that market and in the business. So I, I want to tell you a story that I've never told you. Um, I hope this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too. You're scaring me. No, no, no. So this is how much you were valued at, uh, at KGW. Uh, at one point, uh, they replaced me on the morning with Russ Lewis. I'd been uh-huh. with Brendan Day for eight years. Uh, and, and we were doing well in the ratings, but uh, I got called up into the office of the GM and the news director came up there and they mm-hmm. said that they were going to make this switch. Russ was going to move from weekends to do the mornings and I was going to do the weekends. So for, and I got to say, I really like Russ Lewis. He was a wonderful man. He was mm-hmm. a really good anchor. I had ne- never had anything problem with Russ Lewis. But when they, when they told me they were making that change, Joe, they said, we just don't think we have a strong enough bullpen of male anchors. And the GM looked at me and said, if, if Joe Donlan gets hit by a truck, I don't, I don't think that you're, you're the guy to replace him when we need to, to develop Russ. So uh-huh. what I wanted to say was they really liked you, but they were concerned about your ability to cross the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's nice to hear. That's, uh, I, I guess. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not making up that line. It's the only thing I remember from the meeting was that they were worried about you crossing the track. Yeah. Well, you know, and these are things you, uh, you, that people, that's a great story to tell behind the scenes, Carl, because people <laughs> don't realize what, um, what we do go through behind the scenes. And there were some difficult moments and conversations that I had uh, contractually and otherwise there at Portland. But in the end, you know, uh, I really, somebody said to me the other day, I love how um, relaxed you are. I haven't worked with many anchors who are as relaxed as you are. And I said, well, that's what happens when you get older. You know, you just, <laughs> I just don't worry about as much anymore. And I almost wish, frankly, that I had been a little bit more that way, younger in my career and younger in, in, um, in my parenthood as well. You know, there were little things that, you know, I wish I wish I could go back and do a lot of things over again, especially now that I have the wisdom of almost 60 years. But it's too late, and I don't I don't regret any of it. It was a great time in Portland. Um, you know, there were some contentious times, and I think at the end, you know, what I always remember something Tracy said. She said it, it it's not who you work for, it's who you work with. Uh-huh. And that you know, leave it to Tracy to say something like that. That's just so poignant and so true. And that's really what I remember about. KGW, sure, I remember the station, but I remember the people more than anything. Mm-hmm. So uh, here's another story. I, I remember these, these stupid little things, Joe, and you, I'm going to let you tell me if this is true or not. I believe early on in your, uh, when you started at KGW, uh, we had that tragic shooting at Thurston High School. Yes. Uh, and, and you got, uh, first of all, when it happened, uh, Brenda and I were the only ones in the newsroom and, and we, and we were, you know, Brenda was on the set and I was on the newsroom camera and we were bringing in for information, which was very little at the time. But of course we sent crews like crazy to Springfield right. uh, and you, and you were down there uh, covering things. And, and, and I, it, and we also sent, sent a very, um, shall I say uptight assistant news director. Okay. Okay. Yes. And, 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 you know, it helps to have producers and, people like that on a, a, a changing news story like that to gather information, to make phone calls. So you can mm-hmm. do your job. Reporters can do their job. But the way I heard it was <laughs> this, this uh, very um, uptight uh, helper assistant news director was, was given right before we, the, the, 
you were going on the air was giving you, okay, remember this, remember this, remember this, and then looked at you, a professional TV news journalist, and said, don't forget to look at the camera. <laughs> that, is, that is absolutely true, yes. And I, I thought, I'm like, wait, was I not? I, I don't remember. I thought I was, but okay, thanks for the tip. <laughs> um, yes, that actually happened. I mean, I think back on some of the, and there were some big stories we covered there. I, you know, the new Carissa is another one that's sort oh, yeah. of mine. And I remember that night, we actually, I drove through, I don't even remember the name of this little, what's the name of that little small town you drive through to get to like Coos Bay? It, uh, it was Depot Bay. Uh, no, it was before you get there, it was through the range <laughs> and it's snowing. So it's like, it was like I, yeah, it was somewhere like that. I, so I'm in that old beat up rig with one windshield wiper that doesn't work. And there's like about a two inch stretch of the windshield I can see through as I'm driving as fast as I can to get to the coast for this thing. I pulled up and Gary Chittum was there. I remember. Yeah. And, uh, and the first thing they did was, and it was literally five minutes before 11 o'clock and I pull in, I'm at the wrong place. They're like, no, you need to go down the street. So I'm driving down the street. I pull up to this area where our live truck is. And they hand me a script and I'm like, okay, we, let's just go with it. So literally they're like, stand by and off we went. They were like, cue him and go. So <laughs> there've been some, and I'm, I think too, back at all of the great championship games I got to cover with the Ducks and the, and the Timbers winning the MLS Cup. Yeah. Uh, just so many great memories uh, about Portland. We left a lot of good friends and great memories in that town for sure. Um. KGW was just full of really great storytellers uh, yes. and, and some just reporters and, and, and photographers yes. who, who were just the same. I mean, think of all, as you're sitting on that anchor desk, think of all the, the great storytelling you watched, you know, mm -hmm. like the, the work of Kurt Austin oh. and, and Steve Redland and, right. and, and, uh, and Brian Robertson. I mean, I mean, it was it was a joy to sit there and see that happen. Yeah, and and I always think too of uh, Walden Kirsch because oh. when I got there, he he did a story one time, and I used to take it with me to classes when I would talk to journalism classes and play it just to give people an example of what brilliant writing is. He did a story on that frozen man. Do you remember him? He was like a, the performance artist and he'd show up in different areas of downtown Portland and he'd be on that stand and he'd be frozen. And his face was all painted silver. He looked like a statue. And Walden told that story so brilliantly um, that I just, like I said, I showed it everywhere I went. So this is an example of how to really tell stories. I learned so much from so many people in that newsroom. And that was the other great thing. You could go to someone, anyone in that newsroom really, and say, hey, take a look at this script and see what you think. And they would be more than happy to look at it and give you their, their thoughts. But I try to tell people now that anyone can write a script. Anyone can tell a story. And depending on the story, if you had 50 journalists writing it, you'd probably get 50 different versions of it. But in TV, especially, I think you need to find a way to make it interesting, make it compelling, make it engaging. And there are ways to do that. If you can step back and look at a story and look at a script and try to present it in a way that might get someone's attention more so than saying, uh, you know, sheriff's deputies shot and killed a man today when he refused to put down his gun. 
you know, you could start that story by saying it has to be one of the toughest decisions an officer has to make. Mm -hmm. Someone has a gun and they're pointing it at you. In a matter of seconds, you have a decision to make. Do you shoot or take a chance on getting shot? Well, for the second time in two weeks, an officer today decided to shoot. So there are different ways to tell a story. You were always great at that as well, Carl. I always Thank admire you. your reporting too. Um, so, you know, make it, put your personality into it. Um, you know, put your spin on it, not spin, but I think your, your stamp on it, you know, so that people know when they see a story from Carl Flick or Joe Donlin or Walden Kirst, they know it's going to be different. And that's what makes it interesting to watch. Um, and more and more now, we have really a harder time trying to, to get and keep people's attention. Yeah, that, that battle always happened when you were, uh, you know, given time for a story. You know, hey, I got a minute 30. He says, well, can I get an extra 15? Uh, right. and, and, and in order to insert that uh, texture that you're talking about, you right. needed some time, you know, a little bit of a gnat sound and that kind of stuff. And there was mm -hmm. always that battle. I remember uh, doing a story um, that was, was, was like that, and the producer didn't have enough time. I said, well, I'll tell you what, come take a look at it and, and tell me what you'd cut. Right, right. And, and, and the producer watched it and said, and said, man, that's really, really good. And then left mm -hmm. saying, can you cut it down to 145? I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't help the process. You're, no, no. <laughs> I don't know. I think, you know, what I've learned, too, is that it, it just needs just be interesting. Yeah. Um, it's that's that's the key. And especially what I'm doing now, it needs to be interesting or, you know, there's just so much competing for our attention right now that it needs to be interesting and people will click, um, you know, if, it, if they're not engaged or interested. So no matter what the topic is, and I think that lends itself to more topics. That's been interesting to me, not have to, you know, in, living in Chicago, we don't really cover shootings, although we just had a police officer shot and killed over the, the weekend. And we are doing a segment on that on the show tonight. Um, but stories that make local news, you know, we're, we're really boiling down eight to 12 of the biggest segments that are happening nationally. And that's been enjoyable for me to where you don't get, um, these are big issues that affect a lot of people. Not that local issues don't, but they're small, they're, you know, the shootings and the car wrecks and the things that were just really so emotionally draining. We're now talking about infrastructure and we're talking about the situation in Afghanistan. And we're talking about the situation with COVID and should workplaces require vaccines um, that, that part of it, I really enjoy. So if it wasn't journalism, when you were starting out, what would Joe Donlin have done? Boy, that's an interesting question. I I've always been, and I did this while I was in Portland. Uh, I've always been a fan of construction. Um, so we were part of a project that bought an old apartment building and then we renovated it and sold them as condos. And then we bought a house that we renovated right before we left, which was difficult because we had taken that house down to the studs, literally. I mean, we did all new windows, all new electrical, all new plumbing, all new flooring, all new everything. <laughs> and then I got this call from Chicago and my wife says, you have to be kidding me. I mean, we had just dialed this house into what we really loved and enjoyed and now we're leaving. Um, I would probably do something in, in, uh, in construction, but I don't know. It's funny because... Um, again, to be real honest and frank, there was a point in my career in Portland where I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. and Did I want to try to do something else? And I did explore a couple of other opportunities outside of broadcasting. And what I found was that there was a lot of interest, but people looked at me as sort of, you know, well, what do we do with this guy? He's a news anchor. You know? uh -huh. 
Um, I think what we do and what you did, uh, so you know, it, it, it lends itself to a lot of different professions. Um, I think probably one of the biggest of which is meeting, you know, a dozen deadlines an hour, you know, or whatever it might be. But in the end, I had a, a friend of mine I respect say to me, what are you doing? You know, what, why are you even considering this? And I thought, well, I don't know. You know, I'm kind of looking for a new challenge and looking for something that maybe might be, you know, whatever. And he's like, do what you know. Why are you, why wouldn't you do what you know? And, and I thought about it for a little while. And in the end, I, I agreed with him. And I, I still remember that, obviously, to this day. And I don't know how long ago that was, but it was late in my time in Portland when I wasn't sure if I wanted to explore something different. But then look at where it ended up. You know? mm -hmm. It's just crazy. And I've told people as well. And I, I do talk to a lot of younger folks who are starting in the business and they ask what they should do. Or I, I worry about today's youth, Carl. I really do, just because I feel like they're under so much pressure and there's so much anxiety. And I think they feel like they need to do X, Y, and Z in order. And they have to have all these decisions made by the time they're 19 or 20. And I tell them all, just take a deep breath and relax. It's going to be okay. And I know it's easy to say that, but I think kids need to hear that. It's going to be okay. Serendipity has a way of opening doors that you might not even anticipate or expect right now, mm -hmm. but that door will open and you'll end up where you're supposed to be. If this college doesn't work out, you'll end up at a place and you'll flourish there. We, we do sort of, you know, take advantage of the opportunities that are given us. And no matter how they might seem in the beginning, in the end, they tend to work out. And I just see these young kids today being so nervous and, and under so much pressure. I just, I, I feel like it's important at my age and at this stage to tell them mm -hmm. not to, be, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. It'll all work out. And maybe that's naive. And maybe it's, you know, there will be bumps along the road. They need to know that too. But I hate to see them so worked up about their futures when, Really, I mean, it's just amazing. I tell them, if you're in any arena, enjoy it and uh, appreciate the fact that you're in the game. Uh, funny you should say that because uh, that's kind of been a theme of all these people that I've been talking to, you know, uh, accomplished journalists or people in our industry who've, who've done really well. And, and almost all of them have a story, including myself, of, you know, I didn't get the job that I wanted and, mm -hmm. I, or, or I got let go from this job. And, and the paths that that then creates for you shapes the rest of your life. And mm -hmm. I, would, I wouldn't go back and change a thing, even though, you know, I, I didn't get promoted to the weekend sports anchor uh, two or three times back the first two or three years of my career at KGW. Um, right. and, and everybody has those stories. It, 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 and I can't say it, it, it always works out, but, but sometimes these choices that are made for you uh, are, are lead you down a path that's really, really going to uh, bring you to a place that you're going to want to be. Right. Yeah. And I, I look at a couple of different opportunities that had come up. In fact, before I took the Portland job, I interviewed in um, Denver and I had an offer from both stations. And I think about all the time, had I not come to Portland, all the people I wouldn't have met, you know, mm -hmm. and again, there's that that door that opens for you that you're not expecting. And um, I interviewed at ESPN at one point in my time in Portland before I pulled the plug and I didn't get that job. Um, and I think about now, you know, I'm, it, it, it all worked out in the end. And, and to my <laughs> point to yours, you sort of end up where you're, where you're, you're supposed to be, I think. Yeah. It's interesting that, that you interviewed in Denver because the guy you replaced, Jen Beneman, right. ended up in Denver and has had well, a great career there. 
Right, and Benjamin was actually a big part of why I, I didn't go there actually, because he, uh, he was working at a different station there than the one that I was interviewing with. And he said, you know, if you go there, you're gonna be the guy behind the guy. If you go to Portland, you're gonna be the guy. And Jim had just left the, the job. So he knew, he knew, you know, all of the people there and knew what the job entailed. He said, if I were you, I'd go be the guy, you know, cause who knows how long you're gonna be the guy behind the guy in Denver. <laughs> so that was advice I took as well. A lot of people have given me good advice over the years. Fellas. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, it, uh, I'll, I'll let you go, Joe, because I know you, I know you're busy getting ready for a national TV show. But uh, <laughs> in one of these podcasts, I talked to Jack McGowan, who uh -huh. you know started Kink Radio, uh, was uh, a host of uh, uh, Good Evening and, and PM Magazine, and ended up with mm -hmm. Saul for all those years. Right, exactly. And all he was, the beach cleanups. Yeah, he was in New York as a kid, young man, and he was going to go west. He just said, "I'm going to go west. I'm going to San Francisco." And on the street, this is a story in the podcast he tells. Um, he runs into Paul Simon. Huh. And strikes up a conversation with Wait, Paul the, Simon. The, the, the musician or the <laughs> senator? No, not the senator. Not the old senator guy. <laughs> Paul Simon of Simon and Garfunkel. And he's, okay. chat, he's chatting with Paul Simon on the street corner in New York City for, he said, 15, 20 minutes. Uh -huh. and, and, and Paul Simon said, don't go to San Francisco. Go to Portland. Wow. Because that's the place to be. And that starts this wonderful career of public relations and TV and, and, yeah. and community stuff. Uh, and again, serendipity. <laughs> there it is. It, it shows itself quite a bit. Yeah. Hey, Carl, it's great to see you, my friend. Thank you so much for the invite. It's an honor to be a part of the, the list of invitees to this, this wonderful podcast. And I hope you're doing well. And I hope it's a success. And, and uh, say hi to everybody back there in, in the Portland, Vancouver area. Yeah. Joe, it's been great talking to you.